This episode is done in proud association with Nature Travel Birding. Look no further than Nature Travel Birding for tailor-made private and small birding tours across the globe with mouth-watering destinations such as Antarctica, Brazil, Northern India, Uganda, Botswana, Namibia, and a whole lot more. Book your next birding adventure today on www.naturetravelbirding.com. An authentic, unfenced safari lodge in South Africa's iconic Kruger National Park, Rhino Post Safari Lodge, provides an exclusive opportunity to get close to nature on nature's terms. You get the best of both worlds, from the enormity and diversity of the Kruger Park to the exclusivity of an eight-suit lodge on a private concession in a game-rich area. Rhino Post Safari Lodge is situated 30 kilometers from Skakuza in the Kruger National Park and borders the famous Marla Marla Game Reserve. Twice daily, on-road game drives conducted on both the private concession and in the Kruger Park offer excellent game viewing. Find out about what they offer and book your next exclusive Kruger Escape on their website, www.rhinopostsafarilodge.co.za. All the links on the notes to the show. This episode is the ultimate guide to birding in Northern Kruger. I chat with one of the best Kruger bird guides, Mark Crenier from Nature Travel Birding. We find out all about where to find all the sought after species in this section of the park, including routes to travel, camps to stay at, where to get food, and even some hints on the sandpox rangers to do game drives with. This episode has everything you need to plan your next Kruger escape and add lots of birds to your life list. Westermans is running a wild bird card competition. When you buy a Westermans wild bird 10kg limited edition bag, you get two collectible cards. And in addition to collecting the wild bird cards, you'll stand a chance to win amazing prizes worth over 100,000 rand including a pair of Swarovski EL 10x42 HD binoculars, valued at 45,000 Rand. The competition runs until the 31st of August, and you can find more details at www.westermans.co.za. Westermans, for the love of birds. My name is Adam, and this proudly South African podcast is your weekly source of news about birds, birders, destinations, conservation, gear, books, and well, anything that we think birders want to hear about. So, welcome to the show. So, let's dig into this week's episode of the Birding Life Podcast. So, I've got another return guest chatting to Mark Crenier today. So, Mark, welcome back to the Birding Life Podcast. Hey, how's it, Adam? Uh, lucky to be back. Yeah, it was so cool. Last week, went up to Kruger, to Southern Kruger. We talk about Northern Kruger today in the episode, but went to Southern Kruger with Tyron and his family and was really cool. One of the days, we got to do some birding with uh, Mark and Renee. And yeah, Mark, it was absolutely fantastic to get to meet you and to get to bird with you. And, you know, this is not um, <laughs> an advertising plug, but honestly, if someone is looking for a guide for Kruger I mean you weren't even guiding us it was just birding it was absolutely fantastic I mean just your just your knowledge of Kruger I mean it wasn't just um, birds the birds were fantastic it was mammal sightings we got some really cool um, rhino sightings including getting stuck on a roadblock I thought we'd be stuck there for the day but yeah Mark was fantastic going out with you guys and just blown away by your knowledge of Southern Kruger just it just shows why it's good to go with the guide um, just to just someone who knows the area well. Yeah, thanks, Adam. It was good, really good to catch up and, and spend some time with you, you and Tyron in in the park. And I think you know, the birding life is doing a lot for for the birding community in South Africa. So it was nice just to take you out, show you my backyard, and just spend some time enjoying the birds and, like you said, some incredible wildlife in the park too. Yeah, like we were saying, those rhino. I mean, we literally come to this rhino sighting, and then I was send someone some photos of the rhino we were looking at and they said as long as they're not lying down and literally like 30 seconds later the one flipping rhino lies down i thought okay now we're in for a long wait here yeah no yeah they did look like they were getting comfortable but i mean yeah it was quite okay as we're sitting and watching the rhino that buffalo herd came in managed to get those yellow belt ox peckers and saw tyron got quite a nice photo of them so yeah sometimes when you just stop and slow down that's when the things just pop up eh? yeah just just on a an animal mammal kind of uh note you know we were you know obviously there's a whole lot of stuff about rhino conservation that's happening and you know people obviously don't want to send send rhino pictures out to see the rhino at kruger being dehorned now and um, we were talking about it but just for listeners who are listening you've obviously been going to kruger for many years 
you know, going into Kruger, do you actually notice the the decrease in rhino numbers, or is it just is do you have you actually noticed it with your time you've gone and taking guests in and everything? Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a tough one, um, Adam. Most definitely, I mean, in the time that I've been guiding in the park and visiting the park, or even just visiting when I was still in school, when I was in high school and I was eighteen and able to drive, you know, we'd go into the park and enter at Numbi Pretoriaskop area and before you got to Skakuza you had seen multiple rhino sightings so when I see when I say multiple it was quite easy on a drive from Numbi gate to Skakuza to see have 10 12 different rhino sightings you know now to see a rhino along that route you need to be really really lucky and now we have to focus and go and see them in the southern parts where we were so yeah definitely I mean, it's not a scientific study, but definitely I've seen a decline and it's definitely an animal that's becoming harder to see. We have to, yeah, go to the southern areas of the park to see the animals. I mean, not to take anything away from the great rangers and the great conservation work being done by the park, but yeah, most definitely our rhinos are, are still in trouble in the Kruger National Park and in, 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 in southern Africa. And there's definitely a notice in the decline of the animals. And then before we move to the north, what was quite interesting is that there is more and more sightings of yellow-billed oxpecker in the south. It was quite nice to get one as a lifer. Yeah, it was lucky. I, it, it was it was nice when you said you, you needed them for a lifer. And I think you heard me say, we just basically need to find a herd of buffalo because for some reason they tend to they tend to sit on the on the larger game, the buffalo and the giraffe. And yeah, luckily we did pick up that nice big herd and got some nice. I think we had four individuals. It's definitely a conservation success story. You know, the birds were only really known from northern Kruger and then started making their way down to the south. And now um, they're distributed throughout the parks. I mean, I've seen them virtually as you come in Malalang Gate, sitting on buffalo. So it's definitely, it's a conservation success story and it's linked to um, what they were using to dip the cattle on the outside of the park when we had the outbreak of the rinderpest in the what late 60s and 70s. And they changed the cattle dips that they, what they were using and that's had a positive impact on the on the yellow-billed oxpeckers and now i mean there's still definitely more yellow-billed oxpeckers in northern kruger but yeah we're seeing the bir- the birds now throughout the national park and it's nice it's nice for south africans to see the yellow-billed oxpeckers because often it's a life and most people have seen the red-billed oxpeckers but what's actually interesting on a southern african or an african scale our red-billed oxpeckers are actually the sort of the birds the yellow-billed oxpecker occurs right throughout basically sub-saharan africa and the red bulldog specker only occurs in southern Africa. So, yeah, we're quite lucky in the park. We can often, like we had, you hit a bird, a buffer like that, and you've got both oxpeckers sitting on them. And the family is monotypic. So it's a family of birds that we only find in on the African continent too. Um, on the last episode, we spoke about doing night drives. And I actually went out, went with a, a, one of the sand parks uh, vehicles on the Thursday night we were there and went out with a guy by the name of Rodney. And let me tell you something, if there was ever a fantastic guide, Rodney was that guy. I mean, the, you know, for, when you when you meet a guy who's just got an absolute passion for what he does, I mean, we stopped and uh, get in the vehicle and you could just see he wanted to get us onto animals and um, got an amazing pride of lions just as we went in, um, got uh, whiteback night terran, got a Verose Eagle Isle, uh, a, a civet, and yeah, just really amazing. And I think, you know, you're speaking about the work that the rangers are doing. I think, you know, just just there's some really, there might be some guys that, you know, there might be the misconception about what the guys do, but there's some really fantastic people that are working with Sand Parks. And I mean, I just spending time with Rodney on that night drive from Crocodile Bridge. If you're ever going out and doing a night drive, make sure you get Rodney for a night drive. He is absolutely awesome. And, you know, one thing, just on a side, and before we go to the north, I keep saying we're going to go talk about the north now. But um, when we were on the the game vehicle, we you know we were using the spotlights, and the spotlights were quite cruddy. To be very honest, they weren't great. The spotlights, I had my own spotlight, and you know, oftentimes we talk about the problems that there are, but I think we can often be the solution. And you know, I just I just on a side note, if any listeners out there want to donate a spotlight, just get in touch with myself, and we will make sure we get some spotlights to some good spotlights to Kruger. So when guys go and do night drives, they can experience the best of what it's about. And yeah, it'd be great to just uh, resource the guys a bit. So yeah, but we are on the show now to talk about Northern Kruger. We've been talking about Southern Kruger quite a bit. Um, Northern Kruger is obviously, uh, in terms of birding, is probably one of the, the, the best places in the country to go birding. 
So, Mark, we've done like a whole, in the previous episode, I'll put the link in the show notes. We've done the whole of Kruger, which was obviously covering quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit. We're going to kind of break Kruger up to the northern part of Kruger in this episode, the central part in another episode, and, and, the, and the southern part in a, in, a, in a future episode also. But for people that might be listening and 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 want to know, where where would you say it's better for birders, northern Kruger or southern Kruger, and why? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a definitely the northern Kruger. One doesn't really need to even even in think think about it. Not to take anything away from the south, but northern Kruger, from a birding point of view, is just that's that's where the birders want to spend their time in Northern Kruger, trying to connect with some of the, the, the special birds up there. Northern Kruger, obviously in the summer months, that's going to be better because a lot of our migrants are in, but some of the, the specials are actually also resident all year round. So that can help you in your, in your planning from the start because obviously Northern Kruger being more north, getting to the border with um, Zim, it gets quite hot in the summer months and a lot of people do battle with the heat. So going in summer when the migrants are there, just keep in mind that it is going to be quite nice and hot. Winter is going to be cooler months. Um, yeah, the north, why, why? what makes the north so special um, from a birding point of view and just the north so special? The north is still what I jokingly refer to as real Kruger. It's typical massive open landscapes, massive baobab trees, mahoganies, those massive fig trees that line our big rivers like the Shinguetsi and the Levuru River. So it's just those typical northern Kruger scenes is, is one of the things for myself that just makes the park so special. I mean, you can be doing those drives when you're heading up from Shinguetsi towards Punda Maria or even up to Pufuri, and you can drive for a couple of hours and you only might see one or two cars. So that feeling of it's still nice and wild Africa with all of its luxuries, really, is one of the reasons it makes Kruger uh, pr- pretty special to me. The North is also, it doesn't have so many people on so many cars. So when we do sit and watch sightings or us birders think we've seen something and we're trying to reverse to have a look or want to swing the car across the road for a little dusky lark in the, in the road, we can often do that in the North and not be disturbed by someone coming by and asking, where's the lion for international uh, visitors? And that's quite nice for us as, as, as birders to have that, that flexibility of not having to worry about too much cars, too much congestion. And then most birders are quite keen to enjoy the mammals. And there's that misconception that there are no big game or no mammal sightings in the north. The north is full of wildlife, incredible elephant sightings. That's where we're seeing our tuskers. Um, I've had incredible leopard sightings right outside of Punta Maria Gate on my last trip. From Puna Maria one morning, we had a pack of wild dogs with pups running on the road. And I sat and watched them for over an hour with clients. And we had one other car on the sighting, and that car was from Sandpox. So it definitely has that advantage. The game might be sparse because there's not such a big road network. But when you do find the game, you can um, sit and spend some time just watching them. And you're not really bothered. You're not having to jostle for position or feel like you need to move to give someone else a chance. There are not too many parks in the world where one can leave Puna Maria camp after having things like African Paradise flycatcher calling in the morning. Uh, the night before, you've had pen and wing nightjar flying around, and the next morning you've driven out the camp, and you've got a pack of wild dogs running on the road. You spend an hour and a half with them, and then just after wild dogs, you've got a family of honest chat at a breeding spot. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much that little sentence there probably sums up northern kruger and and what makes it so special um the birds that are predominantly found in the north that we don't get in the south are, are a host of pretty mouth-watering species from a south african point of view and even from a southern african point of view we think we're talking of things like pals fishing owl is available in the north along the olifants river and then up in the periphery section along the levuvu I know guys are having success with pals fishing all now when they're staying at the border camp and they do a night drive with coal from the border camp. Things like racket-tailed roller. You heard me mention now the on It's chat. Green-capped eromomola is a, is, is a bird that is um, more common in the north. So you can, yeah, I mean, that's just a, a couple of mouth-altering mouth species that, that, that one, one gets up in the north. You know, your, your bush strikes are very vocal and I found more north um, Puna Maria camp has got things like Eastern Nikotor resident in the, in the camp, Crested Guinea fowl resident in the camp, 
driving from Pundamari up to Pufuri, there's Klopofontein Dam where you can get the Dickerson's Kestrel, which is a, a nice bird. Pundamaria Camp has had orange wing partilias in the camp before at the bird bath. So, in, you know, and in, if you're in summer, things like dwarf bitten become quite quite common in the north and you see them hanging around the pools of water. That's when our black kukuls come in. And that's always the same. I mean, you guys down in KZN, I know that's a bird you see a bit more, but that's birds we pick up. You heard me say, saying from Punda Maria Camp, you can go out on night drives in November or sunset drives in November and you can see the pennant wing nightjar. We've got the grey-headed parrots up there, mayor's parrot. So you can, yeah, there's a there's really a whole suit of very special birds that one can connect with up in Northern Kruger. And then you were touching on one of the guys that uh, takes people out on night drive. Possibly because more birders are going up to the north, are the guides up in the north possibly a little bit more knowledgeable of the bird species that they are than, I don't know, I don't want to say more knowledgeable of the guys to the south, but are they you know, more likely to get you onto birds then? Because, I mean, the mammal, the, the south, everyone just wants to see mammals. Hands down, Adam. If I think of a, a camp like uh, Puna Maria Camp, in North, it's the most northern camp in the park. So up at Pufuri, there's now the small little border camp, but Puna Maria is the most northern camp in the park. That camp basically runs on birders. Almost most of the guests that go up and stay there are birding-focused and are visiting the camp so that they can do the drive up to the Levuvu River and up to Pufuri, looking for the special birds in the area and then again enjoying the scenery. So definitely the guides and and and, and like it like Carl at the border camp are definitely out there and birding focused. I mean I know I've chatted to people that have been on drives with Carl and he goes out and even the guys from Punamaria and they go out and they don't just find pennant wing nightjar, they then find things like southern white faced owl and then even odd mammals, you know, you get nice sightings of old wolf coming from there, even pangolin coming from the area. But yeah, Cole and his night drives is picking up three-banded Corsa up in that far northern part of the park. He often, if you chat to him, he can tell you where there's updated sightings of lemon-breasted canaries, which pools are they drinking at. Um, yeah, so I definitely think because the north sees a lot more birders and it's, um, that's the kind of thing people do to keep busy, there's just definitely more of a focus on birding in the north and much more knowledge, bird knowledge or orientated around birds from northern Kruger. So we're going to start just going through different areas of Kruger and just look, or northern Kruger and looking what can be seen. Just as, on a side note, um, uh, when I was in Kruger, I got the Tinker's Kruger Park map and guide the third edition it's very very handy it's got little maps in that and it's probably one of the little great little resources I, I got it on like the third or fourth day when i was there i wish i had got it the first day it's a really cool little resource and i think they've also got some kiddies resources so when you come to the park i think it's like 160 rand or something it's not that expensive so the tinkers kruger park map and guide get it in any of the shops it's really well worth getting your hands on it has some map books in and gives you some ideas for drives and that type of thing so um, when going to the north, we're going to do a little bit of a kind of a route. I've got my map in front of me, um, planning for my trip hopefully in March next year. So in terms of the north, where would you suggest that birders enter in? Okay, so to head up to northern Kruger, you've basically got only two gates or three gates you can enter in northern Kruger. So most people will enter at Palabora Gate, which is from the town of Palabora. And that then takes you basically into the start of northern Kruger. The town of Palabora is a relatively big town in Limpopo province and one can stop in the town and stop in the town and basically stock up for your Kruger trip. The town has got all the things one needs to stock up on, on, on those sort of supplies you're not going to easily find in Kruger. All of Kruger's main camps in northern Kruger, so from Palabora, the most direct camp is Litava Camp, 51 kilometers away heading towards the Litava, so in an easterly direction towards Mozambique. Or if you go north, you've got 64 kilometers to Mopani camp. So the camps of Litava, Mopani, north of Mopani is Shingweti, and then north of Shingweti up to Punda Maria, the most northern camp. And then from Punda Maria, one can quite easily do a day trip up to the Pufuri area. And if you can get accommodation at the Pufuri border camp, it used to be the old doctor's house. So just back to Palabora Gate, that will be your entrance point into northern Kruger. Of course, folks, once you have a look at the map of the park, some people will start in the south. Then you could enter any one of the gates in the south. But just because we're touching on northern Kruger, we're going to be using Palabora Gate as our starting point. 
So the main camps again, Olifants, Litaba, Mupani, Shungwezi, Pundamiria, all have basic supplies available and shops. The camps of Litaba, Olifants, Mupani and Shungwezi are quite big shops. You can get just about anything you need. And in all those camps, fuel is available as well. So one can top up with fuel at any one of those camps. So you don't need to worry about fuel. But when you come into the park from Palabora, you want to get those finicky necessities i call them you're not going to be able to get those sought after or very specific things in the national park shops but things like your brine meat or charcoal or fire lighters or the face cloth you left behind or something like that the actual the park shops are relatively well stocked you can get uh, fresh meat there as well um yeah and those camps also all do have a restaurant so uh, all those camps have got restaurant facilities where one can if you're in between and decide you're going to stop for a late brunch or a lunch or something like that, you can also get food from the restaurant and the restaurants are relatively good. Um, up at the border camp, you don't have that. So any of what we call the bush camps in the area don't have that. So the border camp, you need to bring all of your own stuff. The same for Sereni and the Batalia Bushveld camps. So you'll basically start in and come in at Palabora. If you're getting in in the morning, that gives you an opportunity to probably make your way to Mapani and spend the night there. But you can quite easily enter Palabora Gate and start your and make it up to Shungwezi and start your trip from there. The Taba Ulifans camps are actually great camps to start your northern birding or your birding trip of the north because both of those camps, especially the Litaba camp, is along one of our main rivers, the Litaba River. Currently at Litaba camp at one of the hides, there are, there are some African skimmers hanging around. So, I mean... If you were coming in now, it's winter, you potentially on your first day have African skimmer on your list, which is still very much quite a rare bird for, for, for South Africa. So it's a great place to be based. Things like um, Bard Owlet are, are resident in the camp. Um, yeah, with the river right in front of the camp, you can imagine you're going to have a good variety of water birds, often settled storks, color practical is there. I've had um, a whole suit of nightjars in the camp before. In summer, European nightjar is also a resident in Litava camp. And it's just got an incredible view on, onto the Litava River. So that would probably be your first point of call um, at Litava. And then depending on your time, it's quite nice to spend two, three nights moving throughout the park, heading up towards the north. And then just in terms of, uh, I know the south, especially in holiday season, um, if you, especially if you're staying outside the camp, you know, I mean, quite sitting quite long lines to get into Kruger. So, in terms of the summer season, will Palabora will, will it be quite a busy entrance, or is it not that bad? Would people be able to do it? Like, you know, if they stay outside, are they able to head in during the day, or, or do, are there also very long lines there? In especially in season, in season, even when it's busy, um, that Palabora gate doesn't get nearly as busy as the gates in the south, like Pabini or Crocodile Bridge, Malalon. Yeah, sometimes if you get there and it's out of the season, you can be the only car coming in the gate. So it's a much more quiet gate. I mean, Palabora Town is there. So you can imagine if it's like an Easter holiday, you can expect it to be a bit busy and then you'd have to get there early or even pre-book. But yeah, I would say more than 90% of the year, it's a relatively quiet gate to enter. And then just on a very practical note, like I was, like people be traveling from all over South Africa. We were looking, if I'm doing Northern Kruger, I'd look to... I want to get into Kruger as quick Kruger as quickly as I can. You go. I went to Tyron and Tyron will do the halfway stop. I just want to get into Kruger. I'm like thinking of getting pals and skimmers and that. I just want to be in the park as quickly as I can. So if we left like KZN really early in the morning, what what kind of time would you need to be at the gate to safely get to one of the to get to one of the camps? Be you know before the before you get locked out the camp, you know, what time would you have to be safe to be at the gate? Yeah, so I mean, if you're going to go from Palabora Gate, because you're talking of the north, and you want to get to the Tabo for your first night, 51 kilometers, so you want to give yourself safely about two and a half, three hours to get to the camp in time. The guys coming down from KZN, you're probably going to have to sleep and stop over, unfortunately, somewhere along the way. So either make it to southern kruger spend a night in southern kruger and then make your way up and the guys coming from the high felt it's quite easily to get up to palabora maybe sleep outside palabora in the town of palabora and the next morning you're there nice and early but yeah i mean kzn up to palabora to go on the outside is definitely not the nicest drive you're driving through 
quite a bit of communal area. There can often be quite a bit of problems on the road. So, I mean, from KZN, it's probably advisable to, I mean, it's a long drive from KZN just up to Southern Kruger. So you could potentially spend a night either at Crocodile Bridge, Lower Sabi, and then maybe another night, and then you can use the next day to get up or even a night at Satara and then make your way up to Willifunsa Lataba and then start making your way up north. And then my favorite picnic site in the whole of Kruger is Shaquani. And uh, one of the reasons for that is those buffalo pies. They're absolutely fantastic. So are there good places for buffalo pies up north? That's a very important question. <laughs> yeah. The north doesn't have those. Um, the north has got incredible picnic spots where one can stop. But unfortunately, you're going to have to be making your own buffalo pies. Um, Adam, you can get pies and that sort of stuff at the shops. But the picnic sites up in northern Kruger, What's special about them is that's the place where you can typically do this, the, the South African thing of getting your bacon and your eggs and your coffee and you stop and you can hire a scuttle bry from one of the, from the attendants that there and then you can do your own. Uh, it's an incredible thing to stop in one of these places like the Babalada picnic spot or one of the picnic spots looking down on the Bomba Mountains into Mozambique and just have a nice good old fry up there on a scuttle. And often while you're doing your fry up, you have birds coming to visit you in the camps as well. So it's definitely um, a place right in the far north up at Pufuri where we do from Puna Maria to the, the famous um, Pufuri picnic site. That's the place to stop under the massive um, Mushatu trees and um, mahogany trees and just do your scuttle there and enjoy your time while you're on the Levuvu River. And while you're doing that, you've got things like black-throated wattle eye, potentially Easter Nikator. There's even been pals in the area, Meave Starling, Tropical Boo Boo, all around you while you're cooking breakfast is definitely quite special. As always, the Burning Life is proud to be associated with Sarofsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app. Spot, plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. One of the ways that you can help us to keep putting out the content that we are releasing is by supporting our online shop. We sell optics, books, Westerman's products, and a whole lot more. Check out the shop on our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. If you need any help with any of the products, please don't hesitate to email us on info at thebirdinglife.com. Okay, so we've been Lataba. Let's head up a bit north and let's, let's chat about the route up and the next camp we're going to get to. Okay, so from Litaba, your next point of call, your next camp you're going to be passing is going to be the Mopani camp. It's situated in the Mopani Felt. One can quite easily go from Litaba to Shinguetsi in a day, or you could stop over at Mopani. The nice thing with Mopani is the camp looks down on, on, on a massive dam or a massive lake that is front that, that is in front of the, the um, camp. Pioneer Dam is what it's called. And you can basically... This has a whole attracts a whole bunch of different birds. I mean, when I was last up there, we had peregrine falcon sitting on the on one of the dead trees in the dam while we were having breakfast at the restaurant. There's often mosque swallow there. Um, there's been the odd rare rarities showing up there. Skimmers have showed up there before. There's been American golden plover that was briefly there. So it's a nice stopover because you've got the water, and you can imagine while you're scanning the water and spending time. At Mopani around the dam, you often pick up some nice birds. And there's a nice bird hide just south of Mopani as well, which is a nice place to spend some time and gets you up close and personal with purple heron. There's sometimes there, saddlebolt stork. There's been green sandpiper. There before I had nice dwarf bitten in the beginning of the year. And at the hide, you can really take some nice photos of these, these birds as well. And then the Mopani area also gives one access to a beautiful loop that you can drive in Kruger called the Tropic of Capricorn Loop. And if one wants to spend some time exploring this loop, I call it Kruger's Little Serengeti, open plains. We have the massive herds of elephants moving through. Very good for things like pallid and Montague's harrier, uh, lesser kestrels in summer. There's greyback sparrow larks up there at the moment. It's the only place in the park we really pick up things like cutthroat finch, cape sparrow, Caspian plover. Um... And it's just a wonderful loop to drive just because of the scenery and you get those typical open landscapes. We sometimes, from a mammal point of view, see cheetah in this area. There's a lion pride in the area. And it's a chance in the park where you can find the rowan antelope, a more rare antelope for northern Kruger. So often if you want to spend a bit of time 
on the topic of Capricorn Loop, then it's an idea to spend a night or two at Mopani because then you can drive out early morning, late afternoon onto this loop and um, have some great sightings. When I was coming down from Northern Kruger in the beginning of the year in February, we did the Tropic of Capricorn Loop and there was a dead zebra that had been killed. And we had every species of vulture in Kruger feeding on the carcass and right next to the vehicle, there were even some Cape vultures there. So that was that was quite nice. I find the Tropic of Capricorn Loop when I do it always pitches up some some nice surprise. So it's a it's a good area to focus when you're in, in, in that part of the park. But I mean, of course, timing is everything. So it just depends how much time you have on the hand on your hands. But I think I've covered it quite nicely there of both options: spending time in Rapani or going up to Shingweti. So Shingweti, um, again, referring back to the Tinker's Kruger Map and Guide uh, book, is uh, they list as one of the top six parks in Kruger. So um, apparently, I've heard. I think Tyron was mentioning it's one of those parks that. You know, it's obviously a bit further up north where the crowds aren't as big, but it also has a lot of the the conveniences of the the the, the camps of the south. So, chat us about that camp. Yeah, so Shingwetsi's basically got everything that one needs. It's it's the biggest camp in northern Kruger, so it's not as big as your southern camps like Skakuza or Loasabi, and that's kind of how the, the guys that enjoy the north wanted to stay. But it's got absolutely everything you need—a huge variety of accommodation, Adam from different types of bungalows to camping. A really nice campsite as well, quite barren after the floods in 2007, but a big campsite. It's got one of the nicest pools in the park, which in the hotter months is a huge help. The camp is in front of the Shingwetsi River. The river doesn't often have water in it, but often it's got pools of water in it, which you can imagine great is again great for birding. And then the camp itself has got some really good birds within the camp. Bennett's woodpecker is resident in the camp. African scops owl, pearl-spotted owlet, is you, whenever I'm in the camp, I hear them calling. Around the camp, there's really good sightings, often of lion and leopard. It's definitely, I've had some of the greatest leopard sightings around the Shingwetsi area. My favorite road to drive in, in Kruger is near Shingwetsi, the, the road up to Babalala picnic site. It's the S59. It's an incredible drive along the, the river with some incredible trees and scenery, birds, mammals. And it's also the place in the park where we often pick up some really big elephant bulls. We pick up our tuskers where they've still got a tusk that reached down all the way down to the ground. Rarity show up. This year, up just north of Shingwetsi, that's where the white-throated bee-eaters decided to pitch up. So you can hear the camp and the area really has got a lot to offer for birders and people just wanting to enjoy what Northern Kruger is about. The camp's got a well-stocked shop where one can get everything one needs. You can get fresh fruit and vegetables there, meats, some nice curios. You can get the map books there as well. I mean, the camp does also have a restaurant which you can enjoy a meal at. And the restaurant's being currently upgraded and the restaurant's got a lovely view down onto the Shingwetsi River. There's even been sightings when the river's got a bit of water in of Pell's Fishing Isle, fishing on the bridge right outside the camp. The high water bridge that's on the other side of the camp is very good for, it's a good stakeout and a good place to watch for bat hawk, hunting the bats that come out from the bridge at night. And when the river's got water in, you can imagine then a whole bunch of water birds are attracted, things like your greater painted snipes. Um, I've had black heron fishing in the river there before. So yeah, the nice thing with Shingwetsi is also got lots of options to drive in any direction. One can do a nice mix of drives. You can go down south and do the loop down to Red Rocks and up to the Tango Lookout, which is also a very beautiful part of Kruger. It gives you, in summer, good access to your cuckoos. It's a great place to see, great spotted cuckoo. In the summer months, your carmine, a mix of bee eaters. The carmine bee eaters are often there. And then that also takes you to the Batalier. That, that road will also take you to the Batalier Bushveld Camp. There, when you stay at Batalier Bushveld Camp, you do have access to a private dam, and that private dam this year really produced some of some some really Kruger, some magic birds for Kruger. We had bluebill teal there, common ring plovers were there. There were some collared practicals, practicals were hanging around there. So you can uh, little uh, things like three banded plover, your more common things were also quite full up and very good for the waders. There was also a pictorial sandpiper hanging around there. So you can, you know, as you're making your way through Kruger, there's a real mix and a real opportunity to see a good mix of Kruger birds, 
birds good for the country and then nice mammals too. What is interesting as you start heading north, and you were mentioning that just you know using the map again, uh, you know once you start, especially once you start heading up from Shenguetsi, it's quite interesting how the road network really starts to thin out. You know you haven't got many side roads to go off in there. There's a lot of like water holes along there, but you know it's quite interesting that you know you like you were speaking about earlier. The south has got plenty of roads. As soon as you head up north, there's like a lot less roads. Mm. Yeah, and then I mean the less roads. Potentially, we'll say, oh, but then you don't have options to drive. But luckily, the Kruger has done really well of thinking that out. I mean, once you leave Shinguetsi, you don't have too many options to drive, apart from the lovely river loop. But I mean, that drive, you can do that. I can do that drive four or five times. And it's never going to be the same. There's always going to be different birds that one can pick up. And then the mammals always change. And the scenery is just so fantastic. But then... Yeah, it's a real stretch where you're basically driving on the tar road and you're driving through quite thick Mopani felt till you get up to, to the Punda Maria area. But then once you're in the Punda Maria area, you get into that very thick, tall Mopani. But that thick, tall Mopani has its own suit of very special birds to see. So you, you heard me speak. I mean, this year in that thick, tall Mopani around Punda Maria camp, that's where we had on its chats breeding and they were showing off and a good amount of people managed to see, the, see these birds. In the summer months, that bore, what people refer to as the boring drive can be quite good for some of your LBJs. Things like your dusky lark, you know, in summer when you've had good rains, we have dusky larks that can be relatively common that just sit on the road and it really gives one a chance to appreciate these birds. I mean, these birds are birds that breed in central Angola, southern DRC and northern Zambia. So it's great birds to connect with when they visit us. In Kruger, and it gives you a chance just to watch for things like your red cap lark, rufous nape lark, buffy pippet, plainback pippet. These are all birds that are associated with those open grasslands of the north. And I find the north is just much like the south, but the north is really good for the raptors. So martial eagle, lesser spotted eagle, tawny eagle, crowned eagle, battalier. And then um, things like your crowned eagle, our booted eagle, and then your varose eagles when you're up in the far north along the Levuvu Gorge. These are all incredible birds to, to add onto a Kruger list and see in, in the national park. So the, the, the combination of the scenery, the birding, great raptor diversity, and then special birds like secretary birds, quarry busters, and southern ground hornbills make it very special to spend time in. So now we're heading into the part of Kruger that is like anyone who knows anything about birding will know this is probably like one of the places that every birder that dreams about going to. So we first place we go to, like you said, is is a place that is pretty much birders go there is Punda Maria. Yeah, Punda Maria. It's the it's the birding the birding capital, the birding camp in Kruger. I mean, that's just basically the place when you think of the special birds to see in Kruger, Punda Maria is the place that most people will, will base themselves from. It's a lovely small camp. It's not nearly as big as, and it's the smallest camp in the, it's the smallest big camp in the park. Still got a shop and supplies, got fuel, mixed accommodation. They've got nice tented, a nice tented camp as well now where you can um, hire those safari. You can stay in the safari tent. So nice options available from the camp. And then, the loop that's around Punda Maria, the Mahoni Loop, is probably quite a famous loop, a famous birding area um, in Kruger and then around Punda Maria. It's also quite good for a couple of different mammals. So we do get the sharps, Hreisbuk, and then when you do the night drives, you get spring hares around the Punda Maria area. Uh, we call it the, the, the Krugeroo or the Kruger Kangaroo. It's really the only place in Kruger where we pick up these spring hares. So also interesting What's nice about Punta Maria Camp is they also have a flood-lit waterhole inside the camp. So that means that any time of the day or night, one can come down to this waterhole and see what's around. It's very nice when you've got elephants coming down to the water late afternoon while you're having your sundowners, and they'll come right next to the fence where you're camping or where you're standing at the bird hide watching the waterhole. Often giant eagle or verose eagle owl is res it will come down to the waterhole, different night jars, and yeah, the waterhole from time to time surprises people and has carnivals coming down to drink as well. So you can, yeah, if I haven't sold the Puna Maria camp just yet, then things like Eastern Nicator, Crested Guinea Fowl, Trumpeter Hornbill, Bearded Scrub Robin, Terrestrial Brown Bull, Grey-Headed Bushrock, all resident birds within the camp. So a little walk in the camp uh, can give you normally exceptional views 
of these kind of birds. And then as the day heats up or you're coming down, coming into the camp for the for a break, the raptors love to soar over the camp as well. So now we're going to head into a place that I'm really, really keen to go visit, uh, the Pufuri area. And I've heard so many fantastic stories about it there. There's the Pufuri picnic site, all these places. Tell us about that area right at the top north of Kruger. This is a fantastic area to bird, I've heard. Yeah, just before I touch on that, I forgot just mention again, I forgot to mention the special bird from Punamaria Camp at the right time of the year. So basically end of October going into November is the pennant wing nightjar. That's when the male has got its standard and, and beautiful long pennants. And one can do the, the best way of seeing this bird, or the only way of really seeing this bird in the park is to book a sunset drive with the camp, with Punamaria Camp. And they'll take you out. The rangers, the guides know where the bird is and they'll take you out. You can hop out the vehicle and you wait. And it is, Adam, an absolutely incredible sighting to stand in the middle of the Kruger National Park just as the sun is dropping and you have this male pennant wing nightjar come out and they have that very unique, like cricket, like a noise. And this bird flutters around in front of you with this beautiful long pennants and from time to time will even land on the road in front of you. It's just an absolutely incredible thing. So any birders that want to connect with this bird can plan your trips. That's definitely when you want to try and be in the area is for November to see this special bird from the Punda Maria camp. So you are going up from, from Punda Maria up to the legendary Pafuri picnic site along the Lavuvu River, the Lavuvu Bridge. It's a beautiful drive up there. So one really wants to get out of the park, especially in summer to beat the heat. You want to get out of the camp gates as early as possible if you're not staying at the border camp. And take the nice dirt road that, that runs up basically to an area called Kloppefontein. You know, the Kloppefontein area, hopefully you've already spent your time around Punamaria and you've connected with the Arnott's chats that are in the Tormapani around Punamaria camp. And you've seen already, you would have probably seen things like your grey-headed kingfishers, your grey-headed parrots. But these are all things to watch out for when you're driving up to Kloppefontein. In, in the area, um, if it's in summer, your African golden orioles are often in that Mopani woodland. Things like your sterlings, wren warblers often in that area. So these are the kind of things one wants to watch, watch out for. Monotonous larks are dime of a dozen after the rain. You hear them calling away with their typical purple jeep call. And then one wants to spend some time actually at Kloppefontein. There is a resident pride of lions. Often you get there and the lions are in the area. But the dam and the water around is famous for things like African crake in summer, greater painted snipe. And this is one of the areas to watch for Dickerson's Kestrel. It's, um, there's, you start to see the nice big baobabs and there's often there are Dickerson's Kestrels that get reported quite regularly from, from this area. In Kruger, I've had Alan's Gallinule there before, Dwarf Bitten. So it's definitely worth going via Kloppefontein as you head up to Punta Maria. And then you'll hit the tar road and then you've got a short drive on the tar road up to the Pafuri section or the Pafuri area of, of, of Kruger. And that's where one wants to really spend some time on the bridge over the Levuvu River. The Levuvu River is famous for Pals Fishing Owl. It can be seen... More so at night. I mean, it is an owl. So if you're staying at that border camp, or if you're lucky enough to spend some time in the Makuleke concession, either at one of the lodges there, or I do sometimes I do run odd trips up into the concession as well. And this is a place you get out the bridge. You want to start really scanning for everything and anything. It's known for the spine tails. So both bones and mottled spine tail are seen from the bridge. White-crowned lapwing is, is regularly there. African fish eagle, African harrier hawk, uh, black cuckoo. It's also one of the spots in Kruger that's more regular in the summer months to try and connect with green sandpiper. Almost every year in summer, green sandpiper pops up at the Levuvu Bridge. I've had crowned eagles flying over the Levuvu Bridge before. My recent trip I had a great sighting of Uvambu sparrow hawk. There's been airs hawk eagle down at the bridge drinking before. Um, giant eagle owl is sometimes roosting in the trees, so it's worth scanning the big fig trees. You sometimes pick up the Varose eagle or the giant eagle owl. There, Meave starling become quite popular just before the bridge. If there's pools of water, one wants to scan for the lemon-breasted canaries there. I've had painted snipe there also very nicely. 
Purple Indigo Bird, Green Capped Aeromomola, Burnt Neck, Burnt Capped Aeromomola. These are all very special birds from this area around the bridge. If it's in late summer, so that February, March time, that is also the area just north of the bridge where you get the thick, the, the thick um, acacia thickets. That's where we have sightings of beautiful song-like birds like your thrush nightingale, olive tree warblers, marsh warblers, icterine warblers. These are all quite sought-after birds, especially your thrush nightingales. Um, they sing from there, and if you have the patience and you sit, you sometimes get brief uh, views of these. There have been sightings of river, river warbler from the area as well. So you can, yeah, it's a very exciting area, just this small area to be in. When one goes north of the bridge, the first couple of kilometers north of the bridge in the open plains, it's worth scanning under the bushes looking for three-banded courses. They're normally seen between four to 700 meters and then up to the one-kilometer mark. And this is a top bird for South Africa and even Southern Africa. And then one goes a little bit north of the bridge to markers 8, 13, and 50. And this is the place to try and look uh, for the sort of the racketail droller. And then there are also spots here to pick up um, on its chat as well. So you can hear this, you can understand just from what I'm going through with you now, what makes this area just so special to bird. And then from the bridge, and if you've head up north and you've had luck, that's when you'll come back down to the, the legendary um, uh, Levu picnic site. And it's at the Levu picnic site where one can really enjoy one's packed breakfast or one's scuttle and just enjoy the shade and these massive trees which are anywhere from 100 to 200 years old and one just spends time in in the picnic site the caretaker looking after the picnic site is also a birder so he can often show you where things like your black-throated wattle eyes are hanging around sometimes your grayback camaropterus tropical boo-boo um yeah there's often something special in the camp if you just ask the guy he can point you in the direction of where things are hanging around and you can spend some time trying to connect with that as well. Crowned hornbills often are heard or often flying above the picnic site. It also is the only place in Kruger where I've seen Narina Trogon. So Narina Trogon uh, does pop into the place. Sometimes there's odd sightings of things like African emerald cuckoo, uh, broadbilled roller, just amazing, amazing birds. Just even while you're out and you can stretch your legs, do a walk, scan the river, see what's in the river. Just be careful. There's some big crocodiles and hippos in the area as well. The buffalo, the, the, the camp is, un, the, the picnic is, picnic site's unfenced. So anything can waltz through the picnic site as well. And then the drive just gets better from there. One doesn't just stop there and head back down to Punamuria. You've still got the lovely drive along the Lavuvu River, through the incredible piece of the fever tree forest. Just amazing to drive this dirt road and just have these old, massive fever trees all around you. And that takes you to the fame, one of the famous spots one can get out in the park, Crook's Corner. And it's basically where the three countries meet. So we're South Africa, which you'll be standing in, and then you'll be looking to your right, to the east, at Mozambique. And opposite the Lavuvu and the Limpopo River, the confluence, you'll be looking into Zimbabwe. And yeah, it gets this name, Crook's Corner. They do say it's where, in the time of the ivory hunters, guys like Bakwena moving through the area, it's where they, if they were trying to escape the long arm of the law, that's where they would run, run to and hide because they were basically in the middle of the river in no man's land and nobody could get to them. Crook's Corner also, from time to time, I've heard people are picking up pearls, fishing owl in the thickets there. Uh, lemon-breasted canaries, white-fronted plover, great white pelicans, flamingos fly over there from time to time. There have been African skimmers there, saddlebilled stork, fish eagle. I've had booted eagle flying over there quite nicely, red-billed fire finches, purple indigo birds. And often the drive along there, it's incredible for elephants coming down to the Levuvu or the Limpopo to come down and drink as well. It's the Days often heated up, so you can imagine as you're driving there, you have some nice sightings of the general game. Lovely area also to watch the Nyala antelope, which I think is one of the most beautiful antelopes we have. So I'm sure the listeners have listened and are ready. <laughs> they want to get up to the north. So 
Just lastly, um, for somebody that wants to go up, um, and we've heard about the fantastic birds there are, and uh, so everyone wants to do a trip, you know, to make the most of the north, obviously we'd all like to go and spend a month up in Kruger. We don't all have the finances for that. But to make the most of the north, obviously balancing birds and budget and all that kind of thing, which doesn't normally work well, <laughs> how would you recommend? How much time would you, what sort of route would you recommend? So, for example, coming in at Palaboro, which camp would you start at? How many days in that um, camp? How many days the next camp? And just so if people were to try and plan a trip up to the north of Kruger, what t- sort of time frame should they be looking at for the total trip and also per camp? It's difficult. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it also depends where you're coming from. You know, if you're coming from Joburg, actually then to get up to, up to the north, up to Puna Maria is not that far, you know, five, six hours and you're there. But for you guys coming down from Kays and other parts of the country, it's quite far. So that will depend. But, I mean, to do the North justice, you really want to try and spend at least two nights at each camp. So if you're going to come up to the North, you want to at least spend minimum five, six nights up there. And then you do a combination with Sengwetsi, Punamria, and the border camp if you can. But obviously, the more time you can spend up there, the better. But I'll definitely say a minimum of about five, six nights, Adam. Mark, I really appreciate you giving up your time again. It's been fantastic having you on the show. I know next season we'll have another episode coming up. Um, like I said earlier on, um, you heard at the beginning the details of your nature travel burning. If anyone's looking to do tours into Kruger, I highly, highly recommend Mark and Nature Travel Burning. Uh, fantastic company, um, really passionate about birds, know the area well. But Mark, I appreciate you giving up your time and being part of this episode. It's been Fantastic to chat to you like always. And I know you've got some really cool trips coming up. I hope you get lots of laughers and yeah, get some cool experiences with your guests. Thank you very much, Adam. It's always great uh, doing these podcasts. They're actually a lot of fun and it's, it's quite enjoyable. And it's a it's a nice way to give back to the community. So it's, it's quite cool. I'm looking forward to doing a more in-depth one of, of, of Central Kruger and then hopefully a couple of other things from around Southern Africa and maybe even up into Africa. I just did a talk for my local bird club on my travels to Uganda, and that was quite a quite a hit. But yeah, it's always it's always great fun, and thanks to the Birding Life for what you give back to the South African birding community. I think it's a it's a wonderful resource that that, that you've got where people can advertise. Like myself, you know, we can put our services out there and the the accommodation direct you and that sort of things. And yeah, it was great meeting yourself and Tyron. Uh, Last week, it's always nice to put a, a face to a name and uh, two just genuine great guys. So, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of it and actually an honor to be a part of it and give back to the birding community a little bit. Oh, thanks so much. We're hoping for some cool things coming up, uh, do some partnerships and that. But, yeah, man, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Eh? Cheers. Thanks, Adam. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's show. We really appreciate your support. If you have any comments or feedback on any of the episodes, feel free to drop us an email on info at theburninglife.com or send us a message on any of our social media platforms. We would love to get to know you better. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.